but there is a word from the Lord. And I do want to take the opportunity to share with you today something that God has quickened in my spirit. And those of you that are new, that haven't had the opportunity to hear me speak before, I promise you I'm not Pastor Caleb. I'm nowhere near Pastor Steve. But I do love God. And I do love the opportunity to share with you what God has shared with me. And today, if you have your Bibles, I would like for you to turn to Mark, the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. And we're going to start with verse 1. The Gospel of Mark, chapter 11. And we're going to start with verse 1. And yes, it's a very familiar scripture. But it's appropriate for the day. Mark chapter 11, starting with verse 1. And when they came nigh to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples, and saith unto them, Go your way into into the village over against you, and as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a colt tied, whereon never man sat. Loose him and bring him. And if any man say unto you, why do you do this? Say ye that the Lord hath need of him, and straightway he will send him hither. And they went their way and found the coat tied by the door, without in a place where two ways meet, and they loose him. And certain of them that stood there said unto them, why? Do ye loosing the coat? And they said unto them, Even as Jesus had commanded, and they let them go. And they brought the coat to Jesus, and cast their garments on him, and he sat upon him. And many spread their garments in the way, and others cut down branches off the trees, and strode them in the way. And they that went before, and they that followed, cried, saying, Hosanna, blessed is he that cometh in the name of the Lord. Blessed be the kingdom of our father David, that cometh in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna in the highest. Today, starts Passion Week. As Christians, we often refer to today as Palm Sunday. And we call it Palm Sunday because of the scripture, because it says that when Jesus was beginning his way into Jerusalem, that the people lined the streets and they cut down palm branches and they laid them along the way. And some of them that didn't have palm branches, it says that they took off their garments and they laid them along the way. As Christians, this Sunday means something spectacular. This Sunday prepares us for what's gonna happen next Sunday. Now next Sunday, you know what happens, right? 
our Lord and our Savior that shed his blood gets up out of the grave with all power in his hand so that you and I have the liberty to serve him. But what today is, is today is the day that Christ starts the mission that he was sent here for. Today is the day that Jesus takes himself and puts himself in harm's way. Today is the day that Jesus takes himself and prepares himself for those that don't believe that he is the King of kings and Lord of lords to take his life so that we can have life. Today is the day that we begin to celebrate victory. See, a lot of people don't understand. Palm branches in the scriptures represent victory. Palm branches represent overcoming. Palm branches represent my time has now come to succeed. And I don't know about you, but when I think about that, when I think about today, when I think about that this is my opportunity to begin to declare that what I may not have seen yet is about to come to pass, I lift my palms before the Lord. Because he is my savior. We all know what Palm Sunday means. We call it the triumphant entry. Because this is when Jesus begins to triumph. This is when what he came for begins to take place. We know that. But I've come to learn over my life that anything that God records in these scriptures, there's something for us to learn. Amen? So what I would like for us to do today is just dig a little bit deeper than the triumphant entry. If you would go with me over to Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. I had it marked so I could get there. You all forgive me. Isaiah chapter 9 and verse 6. The Bible says, and you all know this scripture, but the Bible says, For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace the Prince of Peace. I wish somebody one time, just one time for me, would just say Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. I don't know if you know what you just said, but I'm going to help you understand. When you look up the words in the scripture, in the original meaning, the thing that I really love here is, is we know what Prince means, right? I'm sick of seeing all this stuff on the news about Prince Andrew and Prince, I, don't, I can't even remember all their names, but, but we, we hear all of this about princes. We know who they are. We know that they're royalty. But if you look it up in the scriptures, 
what the prince means here. The prince means to be the commander. It means the person that is responsible. It means it's the person that's in charge. And the only person that he's subject to, the only person that he has to submit to is the king. The prince is the one that's in charge. The prince is the one that establishes the rules. The prince is the one that's in control. So the one that's in control is in control of peace. Is in control of peace. I wanted to understand what Google said about peace because Google knows everything. Google defines peace as being free from persecution or disturbance. I like that. That's what we want as Christians, right? We want to be free from persecutions. We want to have the liberty to serve God. We want to have the ability to worship as we please. We want to be free from persecution, right? And we want to be free from disturbance. We don't like to be disturbed. The older I get, the worse I get. Gina tells me that all the time. When I set my mind on something, when I'm focused on something, I don't want to be disturbed. My oldest granddaughter is just like me. She, she gets her mind focused on something, and she don't, she don't want you to bother her. But then when she's finished doing what she's doing, she doesn't care what you're doing. She's going to disturb you, and I don't mind that when I let her. But Google says to be free from persecution or disturbance. But I also wanted to know what this meant to God. So I looked it up in the Greek. And in the Greek, it translates to this. Listen, it translates that peace means to be safe. It, 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 it says that safe means to be healthy, to be prosperous, to be tranquil, to be happy, to be content. What the Bible says that peace means, and it sums it up in three words. I, I, I love the way that the scripture does this. It takes all of those things. It takes our safety. It takes our health. It takes our prosperity. It takes our happiness. It takes our contentment. It sums it up in the three words that says, all is well. Peace means that all is well. So when Isaiah our wonderful counselor, our mighty God, our prince of peace, is the commander to make all things well. God sent Jesus to make all things well in your life. And the only person that he's subject to is our Lord, is, is God. And what that means is there's nobody else that has reigned over Jesus. There's nobody else that has reigned over the Prince of Peace. So God sent him so that you and me could live a life and decree that all is well. I want to talk to you a little bit today about the Prince of Peace. And the reason I want to talk to you about the Prince of Peace today is because God gave me this opportunity to stop by and tell somebody 
Actually, God gave me this opportunity to stop by and tell everybody that it might not look like it. It might not feel like it. It might not seem like it will ever be. But the promise from the Prince of Peace, the promise from the Prince of Peace is that no matter what you're going through, no matter what you've been through, no matter what you're going to go through, even if you don't feel like it, even if you don't think it can happen, even if it don't seem like it could ever be in your life, all is well. You ought to be excited to know that there's nothing that can come against you that can stop you from experiencing all is well. I don't care what the doctor's report is saying. I don't care what you're going through in your marriage. I don't care what's happening on your job. I don't care what you're struggling with. Jesus said all is well. In our text today, Jesus' earthly ministry is coming to an end. And I want us to think about Jesus' earthly ministry coming to an end and all the things that the Bible has told us about his life. Jesus has appeared in the earth. He's performed many miracles. He's preached. He's destroyed religious rituals. He's upset the Pharisees and the Sadducees. He's raised the dead. He's demonstrated the love of God. But his work isn't finished. His work isn't finished. There's something else at this point that Jesus has to do. Now, you and I know what it is. I'm not going to get there today. That's next week's message. Pastor Steve will do a much better job with it than me. But the thing that's important is that the work is not finished. Well, Elder, what's that got to do with me? I don't care what you've accomplished. I don't care what you've achieved. I don't care what you have done or what you have not done. Your work is not finished. You still have work. To, if you have air flowing through your lungs today, if you have the ability to open your mouth, you have work to, God's not finished with you. God has you on this earth with an intention for you to do something. You have a purpose. And God has a plan for your life. In Jeremiah God promises us that he knows the thoughts that he has towards you. Thoughts that are good and not evil. To an expected end. My question to you this morning is what do you expect your end to be? What is it that you're expecting God to do in your life? What is it that God wants you to do? <laughs> I heard somebody say, well, if I knew I'd do it. So how do I know what it is that God wants me to do? I'm going to tell you. The first thing that God wants you to do 
could start with you. God wants you to start with you. God wants to make sure that you're at peace. God wants to make sure that in your life, all is well. Now, that doesn't mean, Brother Donnie, that everything has to be perfect in my life before I can help you. It just means that I have to constantly be working on me. Because I can't encourage you, Sister Trina, if I'm not encouraged myself. I know that God has work for me to do. And no, I don't always know what it is. But the way that I'm going to find out what it is, is that the first thing I have to do, and the first thing that you have to do, is accept the gift of salvation. See, you're never going to achieve the fullness of you until you surrender to him. See, he's the prince. He's the one that's in control. He is the one that makes the rules. And until you make up your mind to follow that, you're not going to find peace. Now, I'm not blaming anybody. I'm not trying to beat anybody up. I'm not trying to condemn anybody. What I'm trying to tell you is, if you really want to experience the fullness of you, you first have to experience the fullness of him. So the first thing that God wants you to do for you is to accept the gift of salvation and allow him to be controller of your life. And then, once you do that, God doesn't want you to stay in the same place that you are because, listen, I can tell you when I gave my heart to the Lord, when I received the Lord as my Savior, I didn't straighten up overnight. I didn't straighten up overnight. It took some time, and I'm going to tell you something. I'm, not, I'm still not without sin. <laughs> yeah, your elder just stood in the pulpit on Palm Sunday morning and told you, that I still have sin. And if I sat here and told you I didn't, I would be sinning again. But what God intends for me to do every day of my life, and what God intends for you to do every day of your life, is strengthen your faith. And then, once you accept the call of salvation, once you begin to strengthen your faith, then begin to share the gospel with other people. You know what? As Christians, I was talking to somebody one day that's not a Christian, and yeah, I talk to people that aren't Christians. I was talking to somebody that wasn't a Christian, and, and he said to me, he said, you know what? I have never met worse people than Christians. And I said, oh, that's interesting. What does that mean? And he said, you know, I can go into a place where I don't know anybody. And they will shake my hand. They will ask me how I'm doing. They will speak to me and offer me things that they have. They will share with me. But if I run into a Christian, the Christian will tell me that I'm going to hell. Won't be nice to me doesn't care about anything that I'm doing, only wants me to hear what he wants me to say. 
And I thought about it for a second because it caught me off guard. And I said, well, if I told you that I were a Christian, would you believe me? And he said, are you? And I said, no, that's not what I asked you. I said, if I told you that I were a Christian, would you believe me? And he said, well, you're nice to me. You respect me. And you haven't told me I'm going to hell. So I'm not sure. (laughs) And I said, well, do you want to go to hell? And he said, I don't know that there is one. I said, do you want to go to heaven? He said, I don't know that there is one. And I said, if there was a heaven, and if there was a hell, which one would you choose? And he looked at me and he said, you are one of those Christians, aren't you? (laughs) What's my point? My point is, don't let your salvation make you holier than thou. God didn't save you to condemn people. Yeah, the Bible tells us to separate ourselves from the things of the world, but he didn't tell us to separate from the people of the world. If Jesus talked to sinners, if Jesus went in among the sinners, if Jesus went to save the lost, what's better that for you? That's what God intends for us. That's the work that you and I have to do. It's to reach those that are lost. What if Jesus took that attitude like Christians and was so busy condemning everybody for what they were doing wrong instead of leading them to Christ, where would you and I be? We wouldn't be sitting here. Because Jesus knew that the work was not finished. Jesus could very easily have stopped. He could have, he could have said, God, I've done enough. These people that you love are selfish. They're stubborn. They're ungrateful. They're not even worthy of your grace. Let them suffer and die in their own sins. Jesus could have done that. He did not have to go to the cross. Jesus could very easily have returned to heaven and avoided the 40 stripes on his back. He could have avoided the crown being pushed down on his head. He could have avoided having his beard pulled out of his face. He could have avoided being ridiculed for you and me. He could have avoided the nail-pierced hands. He could have avoided the bloody cross. He could have done all of those things and not finished the work. But Jesus knew that he had a purpose. Jesus knew that he had a plan and you were a part of it. That's enough to be thankful for. In John 3.16, you know the scripture. I'm not even going to ask you to turn there. You know the scripture, but it's worth repeating. In John 3.16, God assures us that he so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth him should not perish but have everlasting life. You know what? Have you ever thought about that scripture for a minute? How would everlasting life be without peace? How would you want to spend eternity, time without end, 
without peace. I don't want to. I don't want to. I don't want to spend time. I don't even want to live on earth without peace. And for that reason, God sent us the Prince of Peace. I'm not going to ask anybody to raise their hands, but I want you to start thinking about something as we hear God's word. Where's your peace? Where's your peace? Have you allowed the Prince of Peace to come in? Or not? Well, let's see what the Bible says. In our scripture this morning, if we go back to our text, in the Gospel of Mark, chapter 11, starting at verse 1. And no, I'm not going to read all of them. But if we go back to the Gospel of Mark, and if we look at verse 1, I want you to pay careful attention to some words here that I'm going to point out to you. And when they, that being Jesus and his disciples, and when they came nigh unto Jerusalem, if we change that nigh to today's language, when they came near to Jerusalem, unto Bethpage and Bethany, when they came near to Jerusalem, they were at Bethpage and Bethany, at the Mount of Olives, he sendeth forth two of his disciples. Man, I want you guys to open your ears for just two minutes. I want you to stop looking at Therese and I want you to hear the word of God for a couple of minutes because I never saw this and I never understood this and I want you to understand this. The Bible says that Jesus was near Jerusalem, but he was in Bethpage in Bethany. Now, how many of you know, I love this, how many of you know that Jerusalem means, translated, the city of peace? <laughs> the city of peace. The man that's in control of peace is trying to get to the city of peace because he wants everybody to be there with him. Bethlehem means the city of peace. But what does Bethpage mean? Mm. I looked it up because I'm not real smart. Bethpage means, and I'm going to share the exact words. So I'm going to read my notes. Bethpage means a house of unripened figs. Well, I was like, okay, God, I'm sure there's something there, but but help me understand it. So you have to understand what figs mean in the scripture. So what figs represent in the scripture, look at this, is wealth and prosperity. Figs means wealth and prosperity in the scriptures. But Bethplage is a place of unripened figs, which means the figs hadn't developed, which means they haven't become what they purposed. That means they haven't finished their work, which means they're not developed, which means it's not yet there. And if they're unripened figs, it means that they're not prosperous, they're not wealthy, so they're not at peace. 
Their prosperity and their wealth has not developed. That means <laughs> in today's world, if I don't have any money, Donnie, I'm broke. <laughs> I'm broke. So if we translate that for a second, Bethpage means a place of brokenness. Jesus was almost at Jerusalem, but he was in Bethpage. Jesus was almost at the city of peace, but he found himself in a place of brokenness. Well, what about Bethany? What does Bethany mean? Bethany translated here is a house of misery. Look it up for yourself. Don't take my word for it. Beth Plage is a place of brokenness. And Bethany means a place of misery. So Jesus was near Jerusalem. He was almost at a place of peace. But where he found himself was in a place of brokenness and misery. I, I'm just wondering today. I'm just wondering today. How many people sitting here, how many people that are watching our service online, and yes, I thank you all that are watching our service online, our online church family, we love and appreciate you too. Amen. Give them a round of applause. But I just wonder how many of you that are sitting here today, how many of you that are online watching our services today, I want you to take a second and ask yourself, how many of you? Feel like you're right there close. You're right there. You can see it. You're trying to get there. You're trying to get to your Jerusalem. You're trying to get to your place of peace. But what you find yourself is in a place of brokenness and misery. You can't get to where your peace is. Something is disturbing your peace. I see what makes me mad about that is even the world knows that disturbing the peace is against the law. You can go to jail for disturbing the peace. But as Christians, we allow things to come into our life and disturb our peace. And today, I don't know what it is that's disturbing your peace. But here's the first thing I want you guys to take away from my message today. Jesus recognized where he was. Jesus recognized that he was just away from Jerusalem. He was just away from peace. He was in a place of brokenness. He was in a place of misery. But he knew that in order to get to Jerusalem, in order to get to peace, he had to go through Bethpage. He had to go through Bethany. He had no intention of staying there. And what you've got to make up your mind to do today is that you've got to go through your brokenness. You've got to go through your misery. You've got to keep pressing forward towards the prize of the high calling in Christ Jesus. You've got to get past all of those things. You've got to say, my peace was promised by my prince, and I'm not going to allow these things to stop me from getting there. The whole reason the devil tries to disturb your peace is to stop you from getting to your goal. I don't know what it is that you're going through. But until we experience our safety, until we experience our good health, until we are prosperous, and until we are happy, until we stand in the goodness that God gave us and be able to declare that all is well, we've got work to do.
Don't let the devil disturb your peace. Here's the other thing. In that second verse, <laughs> I love this too. My wife says, Therese, you always say that. You love all of it, but I love this. In verse 2, And saith unto them, Jesus speaking to his disciples, Go your way into a village over against you, and as soon as you be entered into it, you shall find a coat tied, whereon never a man sat. Loose him and bring him to me. Somebody sitting in here today, or somebody online, I believe it, or God wouldn't have put this in my spirit to share with you, is stuck in Bethpage. Somebody is stuck in Bethany. Something has you broken. Something has you miserable. And I don't know what it is. I, I, I don't know what it is you're going through. I don't know what's troubling you in your mind. I don't know what's troubling you in your spirit. I don't know what's troubling you in your life. But God does not intend for you to stay there. And when Jesus realized that his people were still in a place of Bethpage or, or Bethany, he looked at his disciples. Now watch this. He looked at his disciples and he said, go to this place and find a coat that's tied. Now see, here's, here's the first thing I want you to notice about that. Jesus told his disciples to do something. Are you a disciple? Do you hear God when he tells you to do something? Are your ears tuned so that when the God of heaven tells you to do something, you can hear it and understand it and know what it is he wants you to do? And then once you hear it, do you do it? Do you do it? He told his disciples, go and find a coat that is tied that no man has ever sat on. How many, how many cowboys do we have in here? Anybody? I see one. I like, I like to watch cowboy movies. And I like to see these cowboys when they, when they break horses. A horse that's never, I love horses. Don't ask me why, I don't know, but I am fascinated with horses. I love them. But, but, but if, you've ne if a horse has never been ridden, it will buck you off before you can sit down. Because if it's never been written before, it don't want you on his back. And, and you know what's strange? It amazed me when I read it. Do you know what they call a horse or a colt or in another scripture an ass that has never been ridden? Unbroken. 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 And Jesus was very specific. He told his disciples, you go find me a donkey. You go find me a coat that's never been written. You go find me a coat 
that's never been broken. You go find me a colt that's running wild and free and having his way, doing whatever it is he wants to do. That's tied. Wait a minute. Tied. A colt that's wild, but it's tied. There's somebody here that God's trying to give a breakthrough. You're stuck in Bethpage. You're stuck in Bethany. And wherever you are, there's something in your life that might be like this coat. It's untamed. It's tied to you. It's tied to your past. It's tied to your problems. It's tied to your sickness. It's tied to your depression. It's tied to your anxiety. It's tied to your addiction. It's tied to your past relationships. It's tied you to your sins. You've been to doctors. You've been to counselors. You've been to church. You've even been to the altar for prayer. And there's nothing or nobody that seems to be able to lose him. Here's what I like, and here's what I want you to know. Jesus told his disciples, you go find that coat. You go find that ass that's tied, and you bring him to me. You bring him to me. You bring him to me. What I want to tell you this morning, and I want you to get this, Whatever that problem is in your life, whatever that donkey is, whatever that wildness is that nobody that you've gone to has been able to help you control. Nobody's been able to break it. Nobody's been able to loose it from you. Nobody's been able to give you any relief. Nobody's been able to find help. You may have gotten a report from the doctor that says cancer. You may have gotten a report from the doctor that says you're not going to make it. You might have children that's gone away. You might have all these things coming against you. But don't let that coat rule your life. Don't let it take your peace. Bring it to Jesus. Quit allowing the devil to tie things to you to destroy your peace. Don't let him disturb your peace. <laughs> I made that sound easy, didn't I? I'm going to tell you something. I didn't intend to say it, but, but, but I've got to tell you, and I don't know why. Some of you know my story. My wife and I, about 14 or 15 years ago, gained custody of my wife's great niece. And we brought her into our house and raised her as our own daughter. And I'm gonna be transparent with you. At first, I didn't wanna do it. I didn't wanna change my life. I didn't wanna alter my lifestyle. I didn't wanna make the sacrifices it takes to raise another child. And I was resistant to it at first. But God helped me understand that I had to finish the work. And God changed my heart. And I loved her and I still love her like she's my own. But about two years ago, she ran away. She had run away a lot of times. I'm not going to, into all of those things. It, it was a difficult time for us, but, 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 but she ran away. And she sent me a note on my phone. 
she, um, she sent me a note on my phone. And she said, you know, for all of these years, you've kept me from my dad. You stopped me from being with my dad. And it wasn't true, but I'm not going into that. It doesn't matter. But she said, you stopped me from being with my dad. And I want to build a relationship with my dad, and I want you to leave me alone. She invited me out of her life. I want you to know it disturbed my peace. It shook me in a way that I can't begin to explain. And today she lives a life that I can't begin to comprehend. I can't begin to understand the lifestyle that she lives. But it disturbed my peace. And I had to make up my mind that that thing that was tied to me, that thing that the devil was using to grasp me, that thing that the devil was using to bring me down and disturb my peace couldn't stop me from getting to my Jerusalem. It took me to a place of brokenness. It took me a place of misery. It took me to a place where I realized I was in Bethpage and I was in Bethany. But one day God opened my eyes and I could see across the horizon and I could see Jerusalem. I could see that there was another opportunity. I could see that God intended for me to have peace. And I remember the word said. I remember the prophecy from Zechariah. And I want you guys to see this. And where's the praise team? I want them to come. But in Zechariah. Chapter 9 and verse 9. The Bible says, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem. Behold, thy king cometh unto thee. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding upon an ass and upon a coat, a foal of an ass. See, one thing that the Jews were really good at, and they're still good at to this day, is memorizing the scriptures. They were good at remembering the promises that God made to his people. And they actually take time to sit their children at their feet and teach them what the promises of God are. And the people of Israel, God's chosen people, knew this prophecy. They knew God's word. But their peace had been disturbed. They'd been oppressed. They'd been depressed. They'd been abused. Their towns had been taken from them. They'd been separated from their children. They had been slaves. They had been pushed down and thrown out. They were broken and they were miserable. They were in Bethany and they were in Bethpage. But they remembered the word of the Lord. And they knew that Jesus had told his disciples, whatever those problems are that's holding down my people, 
whether it's anxiety, whether it's depression, whether it's sickness, whether it's disease, whether it's doubt, whether it's their children, whether it's their marriage, whether it's their job, whether it's their finances, I don't care what it was. Jesus told his disciples, bring it to me. Bring it to me. And in just a few minutes, I'm going to ask you to do something for me, and I want you to be thinking about it. In just a few minutes, right here around this altar, I'm going to ask you to look inside yourself and identify that donkey, identify that ass that's in your life and bring it to Jesus. I want you to bring it to the Prince of Peace. I want you to remember that God said that the Prince of Peace will come riding on a donkey, riding on a coat, riding on an ass. When Jesus began to ride into town on a donkey, all the people remembered the prophecy, Pastor Landon, and they began to shout, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. We know Hosanna to mean praise. But you know what Hosanna really means? Hosanna in the scripture says, please save us. Please save us. I want you to stand to your feet. And on this Palm Sunday, I want you to know that God is sitting in the Prince of Peace. I want you to know that God is bringing you out of Bethany. I want you to know that God is bringing you out of Bethpage. And I want you to know that God wants you to say all is well. All is well. All is well. All is well. You're not believing it. All is well. You got to believe it. All is well. If you don't say it, you can't receive it. All is well. All is well. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you're going through. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what it feels like. All is well.